following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Smalls Angelos. And Smalls, this week on the show, uh, you know, normally I think shows get requests for guests, and it's like, oh, we want you to get Coach K, we want you to get, you know, John Calipari, we want you to get Shaka Smart, whatever. But we have Todd McGinnis from Case Western in Cleveland, Ohio, and he was probably the most requested guest from people who we know listen to the show. They were like, you got to get Todd on. It'll be great. It'll be hilarious. And I can safely say that after an hour interview with Todd McGinnis, I mean, we're going to Cleveland this summer and we're drinking beers on his boat. That guy's our best friend. Yeah. Like I felt instantly like we were best friends. I mean, the guy was just talking and, uh, you know, being open and honest and we couldn't ask any more from our guests. He was fun. He was fun, and he gave a drop some good knowledge about his team, and uh, you know how he kind of came up, but kept it light and kept it fun as well. Yeah, I would say uh, shout out to Josh Leffler. Uh, this was a really real interview. Guy kept it real with us, so <laughs> you know, because you know, a little inside joke, which is great for the people that are listening for the first time. But I mean, I, like I said, I thought uh, I thought Todd was awesome. It was really interesting talking about his career at Hartwick up in upstate New York, and then taking over at Case Western, which is. One of, I mean, just an unbelievably good academic school uh, and talking about, you know, the travel for his conference, which is Emory, NYU, Brandeis, Wash U. What else am I missing? Smalls, University of Chicago. I mean, just these amazing academic schools and kind of learning about why he decided to take this job, how it affected his work-life balance, you know, how he has decided he needs to recruit and how that's different at the D3 level. And I thought he really like we got in the weeds a little bit about his just his career and his current situation, almost more so than we've done with any other guest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, his current situation is so interesting. He spoke kind of about Hartwick and how he was very successful. He was honest about, you know, how he's so quickly to become successful at Hartwick and how this process, you know, doesn't exactly mirror that. And he can't just replicate something that happened at a previous school in this landscape. And I've talked about this and we've heard it from multiple guests. Division three is a different animal. Uh, you got to get lucky a little bit uh, in terms of the type of players you get. And maybe that one or two difference maker kind of players you get as well, but you just keep plugging away and uh, you kind of stick to your game plan and it will slowly build, which he's already done, you know, at Case Western, you can see them, starting to move up more and more wins competing more in the conference. So I I think he's got high expectations for himself, which is what you want out of a basketball coach, obviously. And uh, what you want out of a coach to take a program that's never been to where he wants to go and where he's been specifically. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, He was in the middle of a road trip. They played NYU on Friday night, lost a close one. And then uh, we talked to him on Saturday during the Duke UVA game as well so we talked a little bit about Zion and stuff as the game is going on but then he played Brandeis on Sunday and lost in overtime unfortunately but you know goes from eight wins to 12 wins they have nine wins right now and and you can tell that he feels good about the program thinks they need to get a little bit older as he says a bunch but they're not going to graduate and everybody or and they're not graduating anybody excuse me 
And then you also, you know, there's a couple other things we talk about in it at the division three level, understanding like who your players are and kind of what their purpose is, I guess, is something we don't always get into smalls, but you know, just having him tell us that as a basketball coach, he's proctoring physics tests and another guy on his team is a TA for the guys taking the physics tests or, you know, they travel with the women's team because you have to do that when you're in the UAA conference. And so he's talking about like they play a game and then his guys are going to be on their laptops making sure they're studying. And, and, and that's just another and he didn't even call it an obstacle. It's just understanding what's important and, and how to use that to your advantage. And so. I thought that was awesome. I also, like I said, it was funny to just kind of like listen to him tell stories. You could tell very comfortable whether or not there's a mic or no mic. Dropped a bunch of names about like clutch sports, talked a lot about Cleveland. Uh, We talked about some other people that have been on the show in the past. And I thought he did an awesome job of uh, the city review smalls was was just tremendous. He named about 27 different places. Yeah. And it was like, like Cleveland guys, get ready. Everyone get ready uh, for this Cleveland review. I think we kind of mentioned it. It's probably he probably hypes up Cleveland more than you can hype up any. Like I couldn't hype up South Beach as much as he's hyping up Cleveland. So I'm excited about Cleveland. It's apparently the mecca of everything you want in life. So I'm 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 going to Cleveland. Maybe I might move there. Honestly, the, the other thing, the the one other thing about Todd that I thought was very interesting, and we flat out asked him like, why did everyone tell us that we need to have you on the show? But he doesn't really give amazing sort of like advice on how to network. But if you listen to how he talks about his relationships with different people and how many different relationships he has and how he uses them, like, you know, the Cavs will sometimes use their locker room, like clutch sports will bring guys in there. Like, you know, his college roommate was Nevada Smith and he's met a bunch of people through the D League, a a bunch of guys whose kids play on other teams in the league. So just these little connections with people that he's been able to now take those connections and forge relationships I thought was very fascinating. And and obviously one of the skills that, I mean, he is the typical coach in the sense that he said he has no skills other than he's very good at racquetball. But you can tell, like, as a relationship guy or a people person, he has that skill. So as you kind of take things from this interview, other than just laughing at, at us bantering a little bit, you know, how Todd approaches relationships, I think it, it was really one of the biggest takeaways for me, Smalls. Yeah, you don't have, and he doesn't have, there's that insecurity in a lot of different people, and I think I have it. I think a lot of different people have it. I don't think he has that at all. Like he doesn't have any hesitation of going up to somebody and talking to somebody or, you know, just finding that relationship and being able to have a conversation and then mature that relationship. Um, not just professionally, but into like a personal relationship. That's really what his skills are, and you could tell via the podcast. I mean, we get an hour, an hour 15 with our guests and this is probably like the most personal we've ever gotten on and off the air. So, um, that's a, that's a skill that you really can't teach and it's very difficult to develop. And I think that would, that's what makes him successful and a little different. Well, like for example, Smalls, uh, we had probably only been talking to him for like 20, 25 minutes, exchanged some texts with him beforehand, you know, emails, whatever, setting this up. And then, you know, 25 minutes in, he's taking us to the Cleveland Cavaliers party at the Final Four as his plus one. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're in the door. He already told us, like, I'm emailing you the invitation. Now, he might have been lying because we haven't got that email yet. So hopefully when he hears this intro, he'll remember to send it. But, you know, I know that if I was going to an NBA party, 
I'm probably, you know, I'm wearing a real dorky suit. I'm trying to like fade to the background a little bit, make sure I'm not causing a ruckus. Todd's just bringing 25 people with him. And, you know, he doesn't even work for the Cavs. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm a little different. I'm probably wearing, wearing a beater. I've got uh tequila in my left hand. I'm just spraying it all around. Yeah, so you're definitely me. you're definitely not doing that. You would be the type of guy though that would wear like an orange suit jacket, so like people would notice you. They're like, who's that guy over there? Oh yeah, Chris. I think he works for the team. And then all of a sudden, you just show up to work the next day, and then boom, you have a job because like they think they know you. Uh, but I do. I like I said, I enjoyed this interview, and 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 Todd was one of the most requested guests we had from people that we knew, especially on the small college circuit. So I mean, he delivered on that. Uh, as always, if you like what you hear, you know, get in touch with us. We are at Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram. Create Your Shot on Facebook and createyourshot at gmail.com. Like Smalls and I have been talking about uh, for the entirety of us doing the show, please do leave us five stars on iTunes or Stitcher. Write us a review. Uh, leave us a rating. If you do that, send me a screenshot. I will uh, send you a koozie. No charge. I'll bring some koozies with us to the Final Four. Smalls finally booked his flight, so that is 100% happening. Yeah. I made it real, baby. That's what you have to do. You have to just engage financially with things, and then you can't get out of it, especially so, airfare. It's impossible. So the next step now that we have all of the flights booked is to figure out whose uh, floor we can crash on. I, I think I, I have a couple people in mind that you know I'm just going to hit them up and be like, hey, we're coming out there, and we're going to sleep on the floor. But try to set up a couple live things, maybe a meetup, uh, get some drinks or something like that, and then hopefully – you know, everybody tweet at David Warlock and make sure that he will credential the two of us like real live journalists so we can get into media day and, and be on press row and, and act like we know what we're doing. But uh, that is it from us this week. Enjoy this interview with Todd McGinnis, the head coach at Case Western Reserve University in the uh, South Beach of the Midwest, Cleveland, Ohio. And thanks as always for listening. Welcome on Todd McKinnis, McGinnis, excuse me, already one mistake, uh, the head coach at Case Western Reserve University out in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you're in the middle of a road trip right now. You guys uh, lost a tough one to NYU last night, but we appreciate you joining us, getting right off the bus. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm good. We, uh, you know, with our travel, it's a little crazy in New York City this morning and, you know, we stay right in Chelsea and then we get on a bus and with our women's team and drive up to Boston and practice and our hotel was a little bit farther away than uh, we expected from Brand- uh, that we thought than Brandeis, nice area where Cambridge somewhere at, at this point, we're in so many hotels. I don't know where I'm exactly at, but I looks like uh, out my window, it looks like there's a bunch of stuff around. So I think it's a nice area. So we're good. We just got out of practice, getting ready to play uh, Brandeis tomorrow at noon. Yeah, it's uh, it's about seven o'clock on the East Coast, so most people are watching uh, Duke and Virginia at this time. I think all three of us probably have it muted, but on TV while we're recording. But I uh, do want to, you know, this is your third season at Case Western. Improved four wins last year. Looking at another improved record this year. You know, how has the progression of the team unfolded for you over the last three seasons? You know, it's it's been good. Uh, I it's a I'm lucky because I get to coach really really high achievers. Um, that kids are real focused on school 
that do really well in the classroom. So there's, they're kind of no nonsense kids and we just need a, you know, we don't have any seniors. So every games, if you look at our game, I think we've had two games where we haven't been in the game and everything else is, it comes down to about two or three minutes ago. Like last night we have the ball down one or down two or three minutes ago. It's, it literally is like rinse and repeat, like every single game, it's the same thing. And it's, you know, we, when we make, make plays at those points we won and when we haven't, and it seems like lately we haven't, um, you know, it's, it's been disappointing, but we're there, you know, it's there. My first year we won a couple games late, but we were getting, we weren't getting, we weren't in games. And last year we were in some games, but we were still losing by a lot. And now it's, you know, we're getting closer. It's just a matter of finishing them. And, you know, it's, I, I told our guys today, it's like coaching a football game right now because, after the game, I feel like I'm exhausted because every play needs to be called or every, you know, defense, we need to tell them what to do every single possession. So until we get to the point where we're, where we're not doing that, I think it's going to be a game. Every game is going to come down to a wire. So, but we're getting there, you know, we're there, we're working hard and just trying to get better. Yeah, actually before Smalls jumps in, uh, you were at Hartwick before and now at Case and the UAA conference in Division Three is a who's who of like high academic schools and schools with billion dollar endowments, which I'm sure, you know, that's why you probably make as much money as you do, Todd. But what, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's it like coming from the Empire 8 before we get to just Hartwick, but like, what was it like coming from the Empire 8 to the UAA and, you know, competing with like Wash U, NYU, Brandeis? Uh, I know there's, you know, a bunch of really, really high level schools. Yeah, it's, uh, I learned that there's no uh, easy Saturday afternoon game where you're expecting to win by 25 points. That's what I learned real quick. That if you're not ready to go, you're going to get your butts kicked. And, you know, you got to, you have to have, you have to have dudes. Like everyone in our league got, has really good players. Like in, even, the da- even the teams that finished seventh or eighth, you know, if they're in other conferences, if they're in the Empire 8, if you put my team in Empire 8, we're in a mix to win the league. And, you know, we right now we're seventh in the UA. So I just think it's a matter of, you know, like every game's a battle. And the one thing that's different, you know, I was actually talking about this today, is everyone has big guys. So, you know, in, other, in Empire 8, if you had a big guy, you were different. And here, well, you better have big guys because everyone has them. You know, every game is, you know, there's monsters inside. And so, in the, you know, in the Empire 8, you if you had the big guy, you were going to win. You know, that's, I think, a lot of conferences in Division 3. And here it's, well, Wash U, uh, not Wash U, NYU wrote out a Division 1 transfer 6'8 guy and their other 6'7 monster. We just couldn't get rebounds last night. And so, you know, I, I think that's the that's the major difference. And then just uh, the travel, the, the teams and, you know, the bad teams still the, the the teams are seventh eighth. You would if I was an Empire Eight, I would draft that team tomorrow. You know, I would be taking guys off that team left and right. So I think that's you know the the biggest difference. And just uh, you know, of course, the travel's a little bit different too. Have you approached uh, Case Western the same way you kind of did at Hartwick, Hartwick, or have you evolved? Is it different in any way? I guess in terms of your style of coaching and how you build the program. We got when I got to Hartwick, they only had a winning season. I think one winning season since 1995. That's that's correct, Coach. Good job. (laughs) And and, uh, you know, we got a really good player my second year, and you know, he was the all-time leading scorer and rebounder. And so, 
all of a sudden, I didn't know it was going to be that quick, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I thought we could get it eventually. And here, I think that, you know, the key is going to be for us is we're not – we don't have a senior on the team, so we need a – we need to get older. And like, once you get older, I think you'll be able to make it, but make a run at it. And I, I we've changed a little bit. I, I think I, my, if my guys at Hartwick saw, saw me coach now, they think I was a little bit soft. Um, you know, I think I've mellowed out a little bit. I'm a little bit older now. And I, I don't know, you know, that the students that I'm coaching, I, they might not respond the same way to the way I coached my guys at Hartwick and niggas different kids. And not in a bad way, either way is a good way, but, you know, and so I, you know, I, I definitely have evolved a little bit. Um, you know, I, we just need to keep getting better. And, you know, the, the thing with that is, you know, I, I need my guys just to understand, okay, we might be in two, three zone this possession and the next possession we might be in man. And at Hartwick, we could do that with a blink of an eye and here it's sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do. So I, you know, that's something that I need to, you know, preach these guys a little bit and you know we're going about the same way i you know at hartwick we shot a million threes we played we spread the floor you know and when we made them we were great and there we seem to make them all the time and right now we're not making them and you know when they don't go in it's, it's a, you know it, we need to figure it out so i i've changed i change all the time we're probably going to change up what we're doing tomorrow in the game a little bit. So I, uh, I think I evolve a little bit almost every game. Sure. And forgive me for this next question, because it's a little bit of a loaded question here, but you, your, your experience is division three high academic. How do you view building a really sustainable program at the division three level, um, specifically the high academic level? Yeah. You know, at Hartwick, it was interesting. We were able to get some transfers, so like my team was littered with, you know, transfers and of course guys that are there, but you know, other places that came in two or three years and ended up being really good players for us. And so that's the way we sustain it there. And here it's just, you know, we just got to keep finding guys that maybe wash, maybe Chicago, maybe Emory don't know about or don't want. And then maybe they play a little bit right away. Whereas other places they might sit on the bench at the high academics and then they become good players. So, you know, it's, it all, it's, you know, it's a, that's that is a loaded question because the way uh, you know the way that some people get it done is you know they have some systems in place to maybe get some uh, lower academic guys in or you know they they have a tipping system. We don't have that a case, so you know we have to be a little creative in our recruiting and you know just make sure we follow up with everyone. You know, follow up with everyone, and in the end, like as crazy as it sounds, I think you got to have to be you got to get a little lucky too. You know, you got to get a, a kid that maybe wants to study biomedical engineering that other places don't have. That kid or, knock it down from half court anytime he wants in his six seven. Yeah, of course. They're they're everywhere. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, and I and we have my team right now is littered with great great like players, but not like good players. But we don't have a dude. That's why I say all the time. Like we need if when you have a dude and you put like a a guy out there that can get a bucket when you need it, you know, and all of a sudden my team looks great, you know, and everyone looks great when you have that guy that's the first team all leg and, you know, can, you know, we have great, great, we have good players that do a good job, but we need, you know, you add a guy in that can make a play that maybe shouldn't be at this level or, you know, or you get lucky on a guy and all of a sudden you look like the, you know what the hell you're doing. Todd, when you got to Case after uh, Hartwick, did you feel like this quality of academic student was a, a, that much higher? And did you have to find a different balance, like between academics and basketball? Because I mean, like, 
That's a real well, good. I, I mean, like, I went on Wikipedia, right? Because that's how we do a lot of our research beyond your bio <laughs> and beyond what people. I'm more of a website guy. I'm more of the college website guy. So, you know, Todd, like you go on Wikipedia and, and you look at like notable alumni, right? And the notable alumni from Case Western are like famous chemists and like poet laureates and like all these fantastic academics. And I'm like, all right, so you're coaching a basketball team and these guys are taking 15 to 18 credits and they're going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars later, but it's probably not going to be playing basketball. So what's the balance between basketball and academics? Yeah, you know, that's a really uh, good question. It's it's sometimes challenging because we have we have 18 guys on the roster and we have six that are st- seven that are in engineering and three pre-med. So 10 out of our 18 guys are not studying in our business school. And our business school is still really hard. But, you know, we have, like on Wednesday, we're leaving to go to New York Thursday. On Wednesday, I have four guys in lab from 5.30 to 9.30 at night. So we still have them practice. So, you know, it's just, you. Just, if I wasn't understanding and like said, okay, you're not, you're missing that, I couldn't be the coach. I wouldn't be the coach here. My AD would say, you're not going to be the coach here anymore. And so, you know, I think it's just a balance of knowing that they're going to be busy. Like, you know, we're in New York City last night on a Friday night after a game. And, you know, at Hartwick, I would have been afraid that my whole team was out in Times Square, you know, doing causing mayhem. And I went and did some checked on our guys last night after the game, made sure they're all around. And I walk in their room and like six different guys are in there uh, studying. I'm just like, oh, I'm watching the Duke game here right now. And that guy, uh, Brandon Weems there. He's always in our gym. I'm sorry about that. LeBron's yeah, at the Duke game. Yeah, so, yeah, LeBron, yeah. So, but yeah, that's the thing. You just have to have the understanding of, you know, guys are going to be busy. Like you know, and you know, and and that's the great thing about them is that you know, you know, they're going to work hard. But you know, we'll be our game win tomorrow, and we'll be watching a women's game. And I'm sure we have 14 guys here, and 10 are going to have their laptop out watching it. You know, doing homework. I I know it's going to happen. And, you know, and so, you know, you just got to be aware and know that, you know, we, I, I gave uh, four guys a physics test on Friday in the hotel. So, you know, 930 in the morning, we're giving out a physics test. So, and our, and our, one of our leading scorers is their TA. And so he's like looking at the test with me and he's like, oh, these guys will be all right on this. So he's like, does their supplemental instructions. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really, you know, they're, they're good kids. They don't get in trouble. They, they work hard. And, you know, we have six 4.0s. So, like, they're they're not just getting by when they're doing the work. They're really excelling in the school. What what was the what was the uh, reasoning behind leaving Hartwick to take case after, you know, going to four NCAA tournaments in seven years, 100-plus wins in your time there? How did you know it was the right time to take Case Western? You know, I think these jobs don't come around. If you look at the jobs in the UAA, this year is the biggest turnover. Washu guy was there for 30 plus years. Brandeis coach was there for 15 to 18 years. Um, who else was there? One other job in our NYU, league. NYU. Right? Yeah. Joe Nechi there yeah. for 35 years. So they, they don't come around too often. You know, we're faculty members at Case, so we get the faculty benefits. You know, they're at Hartwick, I was also the facility director. So my life was just nuts. Uh, you know, we, we played it. We hosted the NSA tournament. We had a home lacrosse game. So we had a, I had to run down and set up the lacrosse field the day of the NCAA tournament game that we're hosting. And so that, you know, the, some of those jobs. So there, there was a lot of, you know, and just living, living in Cleveland. I live 
downtown Cleveland. I go to Cavs games. I go to Indian. I don't go to Browns games because I'm from Pittsburgh, but uh, <laughs> I go to, you know, it's just the quality of life, you know, the, the quality to being able to do, uh, you know, some things that you could only dream of in other places. And, you know, I get to do them all the time and just, you know, a great school, like just to work. And, you know, we've never as a program been in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, if we can accomplish that, We've never been 500 in the UAA, so there's a lot of goals out there. So, of course, everyone wants to make that state tournament. I'm not used to losing, so I'm taking a little bit of humble pie here, a little bit trying to, you know, make my – and it's only going to make us better. It's only going to make myself better as a coach, just trying to figure out ways to be creative and, you know, to get over that hump. So I tell our guys, okay, they want to make that state tournament. It says, how about let's be 500 in the UAA before we worry about being in state tournament. Let's get to that goal. And we last year we had six – this year, I thought we were going to get there. We just haven't played as well as we should be here lately. But you're going to turn over a little bit of a of a older roster next year as well. But I did I, I did think it was funny when you were talking about NYU when that job came open. People talked about it like it was like a white whale, like it was just such an unbelievable job, like Division three level, full time assistants, like new gym opening up. I remember people talking about NYU thinking it was like Coach K had retired and that Duke was open and that everybody wanted to get it. I heard they got over, I heard they got 500 applicants for the job at NYU. When that new when that new building goes up, I wouldn't be shocked if they won a national title. So Really? Yeah, like they're they just do like they they want to be good, you know what I mean? And 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 they they have challenges there cuz you know, I don't think they give financial aid and there's some everyone has their challenges, but they can get kids over to Ivy League. What you want to go to NYU? It's NYU. Everyone, you say the name NYU, and you're in a door with every kid. Oh yeah. You know, and you know, so yeah, it was uh, it was interesting when they, you know, the. I think it would be hard. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't live in New York City. I was just there for two days, and there's no way in heck I could ever. I couldn't live there. Like maybe my young, times. maybe my younger days. Give me, give me in my twenties and. I probably would have loved it there. So, uh, but now there's like, I'm there last night and I'm sitting in my room. We, we lose. And of course I'm ready to, you, who even knows what I'm ready to do. And, and I'm like, I'm not even in, I'm in New York city and everyone's out and I'm sitting in my room and in bed by 1130, I said, man, have I gotten old? So, you know what I mean? I've got, a, and I just like, it's just too much. I just can't, you know, I just can't do it. Coach. You mentioned challenges and, you know, every coach kind of encounters different challenges throughout their career. Now, what's been, you know, some of your most difficult challenges and how have you kind of dealt with them uh, throughout your career? You know, uh, that's that's uh, interesting because I've probably had a lot of different ones. Just, you know, just being able to be competitive, you know, when you get a new job and you get there. And I was 27 years old when I got the Hartwick job. and you know, no one thought I could, you know, no one's won. So everything was a challenge, you know, every day of a challenge of getting guys to buy in, to be able to be able to compete the way you want them to compete, to get them to play hard. Like that's literally, I say that's all the time. That's one of the biggest challenges of coaching is getting your guys to play hard all the time. And if you can do that, you're going to be good. And, you know, so when I got to Hartwick, it was a challenge of, okay, that hasn't been done. And then, you know, we did it, Year two, we go to NCAA tournament. The next year, we go twenty three and two in the regular season, and you know, and we lose in it. We host NCAA tournament, which is impo- almost impossible to do at a place like Hartwick. And you know, and then it was just sustaining. How can we, you know, stay in this and keep you know these records going? And we somehow did. And you know, then I got this job, and now the challenge is how do I get? How do we get this program to be what 
we got Hartwick to do it. And, you know, I, my biggest challenge, I thought I was going to be able to do it overnight. Like I just thought year two, we were going to be able to do it. And, you know, I'm finding out that it's going to take a little bit longer than we thought, you know, we thought, and, you know, so every day is a challenge, you know, every day of making these guys still buy into playing hard. We don't have a conference tournament. So really we have four games left and it's over. So, you know, it's not like, Hey, we need to keep getting better for the conference tournament. It's like, we just need to keep getting better to get better. And, you know, if we can, like I told our guys, if we can win our last four, we're 13 and 12. And that's a, that's a great accomplishment. You know, it's a great, you know, it's the best record in school history, 16 wins here. So 13, 13 with six or seven games that we probably could have, could have won that were ended up being closed. So, you know, I think every day is a challenge here with just, you know, getting our guys to believe like, uh, you know, we, to get them to believe that they can win, you know, they've, you know, that, some of these guys have never beat WashU. Some, no one on my team's beat Emory. No one on my team's beat WashU. Crazy story about how good of a job WashU. That job was open last year too. WashU never has the old head coach there, and his career never lost a game in Cleveland. Whoa! Yeah, there you go. That's a stat. That's saber metrics. What what's the travel partner for Emory for you guys? Like what 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 is that trip? The worst place in America, Rochester. So <laughs> yeah, Emory and Rochester. So you fly into Rod you fly we played Emory on Thursday. It was sixty-five degrees. Flew Saturday morning to Rochester and there's a foot of snow on the ground. So, All right, so just we don't have a lot we have some intelligent people that listen to the podcast, but you've seen some of our guests. These aren't the smartest tools in the show, the sharp, sharpest tools in the shed. So you're telling me the travel partner is Atlanta, Georgia, and Rochester, New York. That's the trip. It used to be. It used to be Case and Rochester and a Case in uh, Atlanta because of flights, and it, you know. And but then they changed that, so our trip's easy. Everyone gets to play us and Mellon in the same weekend. It's a two-hour bus ride. I wanted to switch back, so they have to fly in between games. So yeah, yeah. Better for you. it's much better for you. That's awesome. That would be great. And Emory's awesome. So like you got to play them on Friday. So you're going to use, they run you out of a gym and then you got to come to us. Like it's an advantage. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Emory plays so darn fast that, you know, they, they uh, run you out of a gym and then all of a sudden, okay, you get your butt kicked and you get to come to our place. And so it's an advantage and yeah, it's not great. Like it's, and it, of course, every time you go to Rochester, it snows or something's going to happen. Division three recruiting is always something that's super interesting. Listen, like I'm going to be pretty honest. Tyler can quote me on this. So what is our guess? 70% are small college guys, D3. And each guess, it's so unique because you don't know what kind of financial aid packages you have and it might change over from another year. So how do you approach recruiting? And does it sometimes vary year to year, especially without Let's let's be honest. A lot of times you don't have the luxury of a full time assistant. Maybe you have a part time guy as well. So how do you kind of manage that process? Um, you know, it's it's unique. We we're lucky in, in our like you know I have a full time assistant and you know but our pools our pool is really slim. Um, you know, cause we'll find out from admissions. Okay. We'll do some pre-reads, find out who's going to get the money, maybe merit aid. We, we merit a little bit other, that's a little different than other schools, maybe in the UA where they won't give any merit aid. So if a kid's, I'd say out of 18, probably 12 of our guys are at least on some kind of merit aid scholarship and we'll give out up to $30,000 of merit aid too. So, you know, so that's how we win some battles there. And then I just think it, you know, it, it varies year to year of, Okay, who has 
you know, the high, what, what are the SATs? And we're in an ACT, we're in a unique spot. I say this all the time. I, we've, we need to be around like a 31 to 33, those kind of guys that will get some, that will get some merit for us uh, that might not get merit at some other places. And, you know, but yeah, it's, it's unique because we don't have a slotting system or a tipping system that some of the NESCACs do. And, you know, where they have a band or, you know, A band, C band, B band, C band, and, you know, they can get those guys. We don't have that. So ours is a unique that we have to just make sure we know who's going to get in. And then, you know, like this year we got, we took three kids early decision um, that got in. And so now we're, we might have a pool of eight guys we're left recruiting right now. And they're all really good players. And, you know, we need to get one, you know, one or two of them. So it's, uh, but there are challenges. We meet full need. So, you know, if we can, if you get in and, you know, everything like that, you will get, we'll get your EFC, which is a nice thing where other division threes, Hartwick, we would gap by 10 to 15,000. So you had to find the right kids that could afford it. And here, you know, we meet full need. So, you know, it's just, you have to be creative and make sure it's the right fit because it's not for everyone. You know, it's not for everyone. And, you know, you have to know, but there are challenges, you know, you have to know, Oh, my challenges are a lot different than, you know, I know Al's been on, Al Seredia Dickinson's been on yours and a lot different than his challenges. You know what I mean? So I just think it's a little bit of trying to find the right niche and what that niche is going to be. Are, are you able to recruit on a more national level, Todd? Yeah. You know, we, we have a, we have one California kid. We have a recruit coming from Colorado next year, one from Texas. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm slipping on where. Uh, and one, uh, you know, I can't, sorry about we'll, that. We'll cut that. We'll so cut you, that. We'll, yeah, my <laughs> mind is really Well, are you, are you, I, I guess my question yeah, is. Sorry about that. At, no, 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 you're good. Like at, at Hartwick, you might, you might have a list of like 400 names, you know, when you go out in April. Yeah, a thousand. Kate, yeah, okay. A, th- a thousand names, exactly. And you're trying to see as many guys as you can see. You're on the road all the time. Maybe you have a couple of assistants that are going out all the time too. At Case, is that that list is starting at like 75 or 100 probably, right? Or even less. Yeah, you know, it, it's still pretty high. It's probably, that list is probably 300. And, okay. you know, we'll narrow it down um, to, you know, like this year it got down to like 75. We probably had, you know, a couple kids go early decision, a couple kids denied. And, you know, then it was just a matter of trying to uh, figure out the right exact who, you know, who was going to be the guys left. And, you know, so yeah, it's, it's unique. It's, uh, you know, and we do recruit nationally, you know, all the Ivies and Patriots have academic camps, elite camps. So we go to all those and, and that's where we get a lot of them. Then, you know, then we'll follow some guys around and, but then like, I can't go to games. Like we're recruiting, we have a couple kids from Columbus that we're still recruiting. So I can get to Columbus, maybe Pittsburgh. We have a kid in Pittsburgh we're left. And, you know, then the other guys are all over the place. So like, it's, you know, it's real unique. When I was at Hartwick every Tuesday and Friday or Friday, Saturday, when we didn't have games, I was at a high school game. And here it's, well, you can't really do it because there's nowhere to go. So, you know, and it's just a matter of trying to find, you know, the the kids that, you know, if there are local kids, there's not many of them. And, you know, kids, uh, there's a real big, good big kid. I, I literally live uh, five minutes from his high school and he's probably going to go to MIT and, you know, you try to get that guy, but we didn't get him, you know? And so, you know, there's not many out there that we can chase around right now. Yeah. Does that make the pressure of recruiting a little bit higher? I I would always wonder if it's like, all right, you got to take the right kids and make sure you sift through a huge list. But if your list is smaller, you know, you recruit a little bit differently. Does that, it makes it more important to identify kids 
that are good fits right away, right? Yeah, you better, you can't miss. It's almost, you know, it's almost like a little of scholarship level because, you know, you might have a little bit bigger pool, but like the good, the real, the best guys, there's not that many that are going to be able to get into our places. And so you can't miss on those guys. You have to get those guys. Guys, we got to take a quick break to talk about John Taffer. If you're like us and Smalls and you like our show, you're going to love John Taffer, No Excuses, on Podcast One. The best-selling author and entrepreneur behind Bar Rescue is not taking anyone's nonsense. and He's telling it like it is. And this week, he's joined by president of the UFC, Dana White. Check out John Taffer, No Excuses, every Tuesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Yeah, that actually that actually is what I thought. Like it was actually pretty similar to scholarship level recruiting and, you know, I, but I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to take that leap in case I was wrong and I, you know, I didn't want to sound like an idiot on our own podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh I guess I just have one more question cuz I think one of the things that you talked about moving back to Case Western and like living in Cleveland and everything how are you maintaining your work-life balance, especially when you do have such a, a, an amazing amount of travel in season and, you know, you're trying to turn and build this thing up? You know, how do you maintain your work-life balance so it's not always coaching? It's, uh, it's, it's a lot. You know, we, like I said, we were, I was in a hotel room seven out of 11 days because we got stuck in Rochester, of course. And, uh, you know, so it's Mondays are, you know, we play on Sundays. I think that's the worst part of it is at Hartwick, you played Friday, Saturday, so you always had Sunday off. And I think the biggest problem here is that you uh, uh, don't have a day off. So Monday's your day off, but you're in the office doing stuff because you could be leaving Thursday again for you know New York or Boston. And so it's 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 not the easiest. I have a fiance, so she's wonderful. If I had, you know, we don't have any children. If we had children, I think it'd be a little bit tougher. But the only good thing is that you're, you know, we practice late at night, but you're not running to a high school game all the time. So I think that helps maintain it that you might actually be home by seven thirty or eight o'clock instead of running the high school game. But it's, you know, the summers are great. That's what I can say. You, you know, when the recruiting's done, you know, the summers are great, and especially in Cleveland, it's a great place. And, you know, even though LeBron left, it's still a lot going on. So, yeah, but yeah, try to do as much as you can. And, you know, and I think every coach will say probably not the greatest during the season. And, you know, once it ends and, you know, then you don't know what to do with yourself for a couple of weeks, but then, for a little while. Yeah, then you figure it out again. And, you know, then it, before you know it, it starts up. So, but yeah, I, you know, I, I go to, I used to go to a lot more Cavs games now that they are not the greatest team out there. I don't go as much. I'm a, I guess I'm a snob. I guess I, uh, that's okay. Uh, the bandwagon, you know, you'll hop on when it's back. That's fine. I'm, I'm that way with NBA too. So you're all good. 
We have a unique uh, we get a we have a unique situation because our locker room is actor uh, actually named after Mark Termini, and Mark's like one of our all time leading scorers. And Mark does all the contracts for Clutch Sports for Rich Paul. So oh, wow. yeah, so we get all our we had have all the workouts in our gym. So we had Miles Bridges and ba- Darius Baisley last year. Two years ago, we had. Um, Oh my gosh, the guy that plays for the Thunder, real skinny legs. I can't remember his name. Uh, Terrence, Terrence. Bruce. Yeah, and then the year before I got there, we had Ben Simmons. So yeah, so those guys are in. So we have all the we had the Pelicans come in. We've had the Hawks. We've had the Pacers. They come in and practice at our place. Well, it, it was funny you mentioned Brandon Weems because I uh, I was in Knoxville and he and I have a mutual friend. So I, I spent a spent a night out, you know, having a having a few adult beverages with Brandon Weems. He's he's a cool. He's dude. a good dude. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a good dude. The Cavs have a party at the Final Four, so um, I get to hang out with him there. And he's a he's a real the Cavs GM is a great. Kobe Altman played Division Three, played at, at Middlebury. He used to live next to me, and then he became the GM of the Cavs, and he moved to where the rich people live. We we've we've talked about Kobe on this show before because I. I told this story he came into hoop group when i was selling packets it was like 2009 or 2010 he had just become an assistant at columbia he was talking to me about like what kids he should recruit and then legitimately like five years later was general manager (laughs) from from ivy league assistant super nice guy super sharp you know but Ivy League assistant to general manager of the Cavs. And, like, I, I honestly think it was, like, five or six years. Oh, it's, it's, insane. it's insane. Like, it is – yeah, it's, I remember when he was there. I remember when he was working at uh, Amherst's assistant. Like, in, you know, and now he's there. And, you know, he's doing a good job. I, I, I think he has an unbelievably tough job. I don't think – It's a tough – it's a tough job. Yeah. A tough job. I don't think anyone – but he's, he's super nice. And he was supposed to come out and talk to our team. And he just had a little baby. So, I know he wasn't able to get over. But it, he'll probably be at our game next Sunday because we play Rochester and him and uh, Luke Fikersey at Rochester are really good friends. And so, like, you look across the floor and there's the GM of the Cavs there and you start laughing. And last night we played the uh, NYU and the Pelicans GM's son, Riley Dempsey's on NYU's team. So, yeah, so, yeah, there's, so it's all over there. But, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know what the hell we were talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for, to steer you in a different direction. I'll, I'll finish up this part before we go into coach speak. Uh, I will just throw in, you know, we'll be at the Final Four doing some podcast stuff, obviously. So, we'll probably see you at that Cavs party if we get an invite. But, yeah, uh, yeah, well, hold on. <laughs> I, know that, I know the key to getting on Weems' good side is good tequila. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he does but, that. Hold on, I got you right here. It's at the – it's. It's a Cosmos restaurant, five o'clock in the W. So there you go. Perfect. So the w, I'll send, that's that's totally that's our place. So we're in. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you the email. I'll forward it on it. And the, uh, for last year, I think I was bringing everyone and their mother in. So I'm sure I'm going to do it again this year. Awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, Coach, what uh? Listen, I know you're focused on Case Western and building that. You already kind of mentioned how you're you know, going about doing that, what are your ultimate career goals here? And how are you actually goal setting in terms of the coaching and getting this program to where it needs to be? Yeah, you know, I, I think our goals are, you know, we, we talked about at the beginning of the year, we, we sat down in our locker room and talked to our guys and our guys are saying, all right, I want one national championship. I want to do this. I'm like, why don't we just worry about one game at a time? So our goal at the beginning of the year is not to lose what, two in a row with that that we were on that doing well with that for a while and we're not doing well with that now. So, you know, I just think, you know, we talk about like just trying to get better every day. And I know that's a lot of coach coach speak, but you know, we just want to learn to compete and 
be in every game. So my, you know, my goal is like, I thought year three, we, you know, would show improvement. And I, and I, I think we have, like, we haven't at the results at the end of the game, haven't been what we wanted, but you know, we've been in every game where my first two years, we would lose games by 50 points or more. And, you know, this year we had lost it first, my first two years, I think my guys lost by 40, the last year we lost by 52 and 49. And so this year we lost there by 20. We didn't play great. And then at home we had the ball, down two, missed two wide open threes with 30 seconds to go. So I think the improvement's coming. And I just think it's, you know, the challenge is to try to get, uh, you know, our goal is, of course, to win as many games as possible, but just to keep improving as a program, to show, to show results. And, you know, myself, my goals, you know, are just to turn this place around. Like, the, you know, if we can make this place into what I think it can be, then it's a great job for the rest of your life. Like you get one of these jobs and you can be successful. You don't leave. Like you, you're at these places forever. Like, cause there's great places to work, great cities and you know, the quality of life's great. And so I just think, you know, make this place as, as good as we can get it. And, you know, and make a run at it every couple of years. And, you know, if we can get to there, that's, that's a great, you know, great accomplishment. And, I'm just, you know, I, I love where my job's great. It's, you know, I don't, I'm not out setting up lacrosse nets. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that stuff. I coach basketball. I teach a couple of phys ed classes here and there, but you know, it's a, it's a pretty good job. You do have a, you do have a PE degree. So it's good that you're putting your degree to work. Most, most coaches are just like, yeah, I don't even remember what I got my college degree and I just coach basketball. That's what I do, you know? So that's, a, that's good to hear. I got, ra- I, I can, I, I teach a little racquetball class and Ooh, I love racquetball. That was my thing, man. I used to racquetball it up a little, put some money on. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can go to the racquetball court in the W when you both get kicked out of the Cavs. Party. I'm not going to lie. I would, I don't care who you are. I would be you. <laughs> I told my guys, so NYU would place at Hunter because they're building the gym. So they put us in a racquetball court. And I looked at my guys and I said, there's not a single one of you here that could beat me in this sport. <laughs> not one single one. I'll take everyone. They're like, oh, give me a couple weeks. I'm like, nope, let's go. I'll, I'll play in my I'll play in my suit right now. And you guys have no chance. And they had no clue of the rules. They're like, what do we do? I'm like, yeah, and you're going to beat me? Like, there's no – yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to beat me? And I'm like, and and if you don't know the rules, I'm going to make some stuff up. And you guys are going to think that's the rule, and you're not going to know. So. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's go to Coach Peak real quick. We, uh, we pulled two, qu- two quotes uh, from different coaches. It's closer to football season, and football coaches have better quotes than basketball coaches right now anyway before tourney time. So Smalls has the first one, and this is from New Browns coach – Freddie yeah, Kitchens. of course you're a Pittsburgh guy, so why not throw a Browns coach <laughs> to throw you off? So, as coaches, we are teachers. I'm sure that you had a teacher at some point in your life that made you a better person. I'm invested in people, not just players. You've been on, you know, one of the most re- you were like the most requested person on this podcast. It's kind of insane. After the fact, we always talk to our guests. They're like, "Get Coach McGinnis on. Get Todd McGinnis on. He's hilarious. He's awesome." Why do you think that is? I don't know who the hell told you that, but, you know, I, uh, I guess I literally, I, I say all the, like, I don't know if I say this all the time, but like, I always say if I got out of coaching, I would go into development because I think I can, I have good relationships with people. I can talk to anyone. 
I can relate to anyone, maybe not to the smartest guys on my team because they're just way too, too damn smart for me. So that sometimes this is great. Last night I was telling a story in New York City I saw in Dirty Jobs. So I'm telling my guys this every in the high rises in New York City, they have to put these uh, water towers on top of them so they have enough water to flow down. And I'm, my guys are like shocked. We have all these engineers. I was like, I know something you guys don't know. Like, and they're like looking at me. And then one of my guys said, Hey, coach, you know, the Empire State Building was where they found out about terminal velocity with people jumping. I'm like, What are you talking about? So, like, so I think a lot of it has to do um, with I just, I can, I can talk, I can talk, relate to people about stuff. And I, I like to have fun too. So I'm never too, too in a bad mood. Like if you see me in a bad mood, it maybe last night after the game, I was not in a good mood and that doesn't happen too often. So I think it's just, you know, being able to be friends with people, being in relationships and then just following up and, you know, asking people how they do. And, and a lot of, a lot of my, people that I've become friends with lately it has to do with, they know, they know when I can't get guys in, I'm going to help them and give them to them. So, you know, they, I think a lot of people fall up with that and just to, you know, the ability to relate to different people. I think that's, uh, you know, that's what it is. And then, you know, my players, like last night we had three different, my guys from Hartwick had three of them there last night at the game that live in New York city and, you know, and just guys that I've met over the years and just to be able to, stay in touch with guys. And, you know, I don't take myself too seriously ever. And, you know, I uh, think that helps build relationships and my players, you know, hopefully at times I'm sure they hate me like they like probably hate all coaches, but I think over the course of it, they realize I have their best interest in hand and, you know, years down the road, uh, you know, I haven't been invited to a wedding. That's the unique thing. I have not. That's the crazy thing. I, I was a head coach at Hartwick for seven years and not one single one of those players that I recruited have been married or engaged yet. So I think those guys, I think those guys had a little too much fun in college and are still enjoying themselves right now. <laughs> Todd, are you a, are you a toast guy? Like if you get invited to a rehearsal dinner or you you, you sound like you're having a, a glass of wine guy. and you're hitting it with you're hitting with the spoon and you're giving a great toast about your former player or no is that why maybe they haven't invited you? yeah well none of them have got married yet i think they would love it because they would let me i'd start telling as you can see i get off topic real quickly i always can, i can always bring it around though like i always can come back to what i was talking about and that's what i do with recruiting i'll start talking and then all of a sudden i'll be talking about this and then i'll come back to what i was talking about and the kids are just like looking at me i'm like i told you i'd get back to that and uh this is this is exactly like that scene in The Office where Michael Scott's like, sometimes I start a conversation and I have no idea where it's going to go, but I hope you say the right thing. I really, that's, yeah, that's, that happens in a lot of my life and a lot of stories in my life. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be a big toast guy. It was, my brother got my, my brother's the athletic director at Washington and Jefferson College. And so I, I was his best man and I was nervous as hell. So I, I I'm not... I, I didn't have enough um, liquid courage in me. I think that was part of the problem there. And, uh, you know, I don't like – it's interesting. I don't like speaking in front of people. I'm not great, like, in a, in a room and uh, speaking in front of people. But, like, if I'm sitting down and talking to people or, you know, I'm in a night – like, out somewhere, I, I'll talk to everyone. But, like, in front of people, like, standing or staring at me, I'm not comfortable. So I tell people that, yeah, not a big fan. I got to get better at it. So I'm not the brightest guy out there. So I got to make sure I don't say anything I shouldn't. So. All right. Next one. Uh, this one is from Sean McVay, who everybody thinks is the brightest guy out there. Uh, but he said, I'm not smart enough to be able to process all of that. So to be able to have somebody to lean on has been great. Jed has done an outstanding job and it isn't just exclusive to that. He's talking about uh, Jed Fish, who manages the clock for him during the games. 
But for me, I'm curious, building the staffs is like one of the most important things in coaching. You've had to turn your staff over a couple times. Obviously, you at Hartwick, you started, you know, built a staff there. And now at Case, you're building the staff. How have you kind of prioritized what's important and defining roles for your assistants? You know, I was I, I when I got the job at 27, I honestly, I, I probably thought, oh, OK, I'm going to come in here. I know everything I need to know. Like uh, you sit on the bench and you're like, ah, oh, maybe you should have done that. You don't. Honestly, you don't know what the heck you're doing when you get that job. You know, like you think you right, know what right. you're going to do. And until you stand up there and try to tell guys what to do and walk in their locker room and you're five years or six years older than some of your guys and, you know, they look at this guy, he don't know what the heck he's talking about. So I think, you know, um, you have to have a good staff. Like, and, and I got lucky in Hartwick where the gym's named after Nick Lambros. Nick Lambros. I don't want to misquote him. He's probably almost 80 years old now or around there. And he sat on my bench for my seven years there. And the gym's named after him, New York State Hall of Famer, unbelievable coach, 350 wins. And I'm not the coach I am today without him. Like, and I, I, I'll tell anyone that, like, I don't think we would have won without him. And, you know, at times I would just let him go and practice. And he's lost more basketball knowledge than I know. And, you know, so I just, you know, having him as – help my career immensely. And then, then I realized, okay, I need guys that can recruit at Hartwick. That was a big thing. And I need them to recruit because I had Nick there. who could help coach the team. I needed guys that were going to get us guys. And, you know, so when I get the case job, I don't have Nick anymore. So I need a guy that can get both. I just got a new assistant. I, I, the old assistant, I uh, was a faculty member. So he was on staff with me for two years. And so my new assistant's really good, really up and coming going to be a head coach probably within a year or two. And, you know, he's, he's good. He's a go-getter. I don't have to worry about the video. I just think, uh, you know, my main thing with my staff is it's just him and I, so we have to get along and I have to be able to trust him. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to trust him to get the work done. When, so when we were running Brandeis scout today, he has to know what the heck he's doing. Cause it's hard. You know, I'm worried about NYU on Friday. He has to know what Brandeis is doing and, you know, has to be able to, tell me what they're going to do. You know, it has to be able to explain to our guys and explain to me. And, and our guys are smart, so they need to know why. You know what I mean? Like it, the guys at Hartwick were a little bit, okay, you go run through that wall and they run through the wall. Here it's like, okay, I'll run through that wall, but why am I running through that wall? And, you know, because they're really intelligent. So I think that's the biggest thing is you have to, okay, we're going to double this ball screen tomorrow. Well, why are we doing it? You know, we have to explain everything. And then when you explain it, they understand it and we'll do it. You know, but at Hartwick, it's just, okay, they're going to go double it just because that's what they're going to do. And here they, you know, they think a little differently and, you know, they're really bright kids. And so I think, you know, with your staff here, you have to have guys that understand, okay, these guys are wired a little different when it comes to why we're going to do this, why we're going to explain it. And then you just got to trust and, you know, that Mike does, my assistant Mike Fitzpatrick, I literally is going to be a head coach within a year or two. Um, that's why you come to the UAA jobs because that's who gets hired in division three UA or NESCAC guys, it seems like, and, you know, and he, he's real good and, you know, he's real intelligent. He's a, he was an English major. So that's, uh, you know, so he, he, we, with all these STEM majors that maybe don't write the greatest papers, he'll help, he'll, uh, help him <laughs> check over some of their work. And it, yeah, they're tech, they're technical writers. Right? Yeah, so can, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I just think the staff's really important and they got to, you know, I, I say a lot of division three recruiting is based on how good your assistants are. If your assistants can help you get a guy or two and know, have some connections to get you in the door, 
then it's going to change your staff or change your recruiting over the years. And, you know, if you look at my teams at Hartwick, when I had real good assistants, we had real good players. And when my assistant maybe wasn't the greatest, we still got good guys, but we didn't get maybe that guy, you know, and, you know, and it, Division Three's recruiting is so crazy. I get, give a quick story. My best player I ever coached, all-time leading scorer and rebounder at Hartwick, he sent me my first year, I'm going to recruit the greatest players in America. I First year as head coach, and this kid walks in. The game, he's 6'4", maybe, black eye. He's like, oh, I play like five, man. I'm in a small school. I'm like, oh, God, this guy can't be any good. So, like, I'm, I send my assistant out. I'm like, hey, Nick, you got to go see him. We just got to go. And he literally called me in halftime. He said he'd be the best player in our school history. And I went to his next 18 games, I think. And he became the all-time leading scorer and rebounder in our school history. And he came to us. So that's, you know, you want to say you're a great recruiter. Well, when guys come to you, make sure you follow up with them. That's what I've learned. So That's a good good point. And that's going to lead us right into our next segment, which is City Review. We've got Cleveland, Ohio on the docket. You're going to give us – now. The, the whole premise is coaches are going to recruit every different way. They're coming into Cleveland. What are they going to do? Me and Tyler are coming there for a weekend. Take us to three restaurants, two bars, and let's do an activity. I'm going to let you run, baby, because you can run. Are, you, uh, are we looking dive bars? Are we looking? Ooh, I, whatever you want. I love dive bars. Tyler loves dive bars. Arts. I don't know. If we got a racquetball court around, we got money around. I don't know. I would say I would keep you on. Uh, I have some un- unique places I go. I go to uh, I go to this place over by the zoo. It's called Dina's. I was going there, and then I got food poisoning maybe from it. So I don't want to recommend we're going to eat there. <laughs> but then right next to right next to it's Drew Carey's bar. So we go in there all the time, and that's an interesting place too. So I would say I, I live in an area called Tremont, and I'd probably take you out there. I'd take you out in Ohio City. I would take you to Town Hall in Ohio City. I would take you to Nano and probably Great Lakes Brewery. I would start you at. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're all right there. Uh, restaurants, I would take you to my favorite South Side. Uh, when the Pelicans come in, uh, their associate head coach, Chris Finch, he played a Franklin Marshall Division Three guy. And so I've had a, developed a relationship with him. And so I take him to South Side. That's where I took him to eat. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have the worst diet. I don't know if anyone uh, – I I eat pizza. Literally, yeah, I, that's cool. What's a good pizza joint? That's what we're talking. Angelo's and Angelo's is real good. I, we, I With my pizza story, I when we were in Chicago. We got there Thursday. I had lunch, deep dish, dinner, deep dish, lunch the next day, deep dish, dinner the next day. So I tried all four because I follow the stool, stool president and try to figure yeah. out all that. So I want to – El Perez, yeah, I went to uh, yesterday. Was John's a bleaker? It was unbelievable. So uh, that's a, was that a nine point four from him? Nine point four, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable place. Like oh, it was. I you can't even describe it. Coal fired, real thin, unbelievable. Like you just bite into it and you're like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. I I, I ate pizza three meals in New York too. So yeah, it's <laughs> not much difference. Like I. I eat a lot of pizzas, so bars. I would say I would go to. Uh, I would take you down the flats. That's where the uh, there's a bunch of places down there in the summer. There's a. I love doing piano bars. So there's a great doing piano bar there. There's a nightclub. I don't really go to clubs, but if friends are in town, I take them there because the owner is a friend of mine. Um, 
and then I my activity I would bring you in the summer and I'd take you on my boat. So that's would be oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not a fit it's not a fishing boat, it's more of a uh it's a yacht. It's a eighty foot like a yacht. Pond, no, it's like a pontoon. You got a pontoon. <laughs> no, hell no, not on that lake, you'd die. So not on Lake Erie. Lake Erie Ocean. It's awful. Uh, I have a 20-foot uh, Sea-Doo jet boat, so I just fly everyone around. I fly everyone around. So This is real important. This is what I need to know. If we're going on the boat, what's going in the cooler? Like what, what's, the, what's coming with us on the boat? Like what do we have to buy from the store? What time do we have to get there? Because I'm all about going on the boat for an entire day. Being a boat – it's not great owning a boat, I heard. It's kind of uh, – Oh, it sucks. But – but being friends with a boat guy is apparently and now awesome. we're best friends with the boat. Guy. <laughs> uh, I'm a really simple person. I probably shouldn't say this on here in case my players list, but I love Bud Lights. Or so that's all you're going to bring, and there's going to be probably way too many of them drank. Uh, but uh, yeah, they that's probably all I need, and, and that's uh, that's my fiance. She doesn't really venture; she drinks to ultra. So you bring Bud Light and ultra, and you're going to have a great day with us. So See, that's good. The ultras will keep you hydrated too. Yeah. Less calories. It's great. Yeah. I pull up. I pull up into the the flats. It's called right on the river, and all the bars are right there. And we just pull up and dock and just sit there and wave to people. And my, when my buddies come in town, there's a club, a day club, like a Vegas day club, and they they enjoy themselves there. Yeah, Cleveland's great. I Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland is great. It is. Uh, it is a fun place. Like it is, it's a good time in the summer and I don't really go out in the lake too much cause I don't want I, I'm not the greatest boat driver around. It's more of a, I stay on the river cause I, once those waves start hitting yeah. me, I'm not comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's way, yeah, that's, that's, but there's a lot of, th- yeah, there's a lot of things to do. It's like you talked about Cleveland, like it was like Vegas or something. Like I'm, or like, like I'm ready to go to yeah. Vegas. Like I'm ready to hop in a little jet. Like get over it. My buddies, uh, one is Damzelli's assistant Vassar, my one of my other good friends, the head coach at uh, Keystone, Brad Cooper, and they can't wait for our prospect camp because they know they get to go on the boat for a couple days and hang out. So they love it. Like they, they love it. They're like, "When's camp this summer? When do you need us out there?" Like I'm like, <laughs> "We gotta get there." <laughs> I have a lot of visitors in the summer. I said, "None of you people come visit me in the winter. What the heck? Are, where are you at in the winter?" So can't do, can't do it, coach. It's negative <laughs> degrees there. You know what I mean? Can't do it. All right, let's uh, let's go into ten touches. Quick, rapid fire, thirty second question and answer. I got the first five. Who's the uh, funniest person you've ever worked with or coached? Uh, probably work with or coached uh, Paul Culpo. He's the head coach at uh, Castleton. You used to be UMass Steve Lapis's guy. Um, coached me in camp for about. Oh, I love it. When I was twelve through fourteen, I know Culpo. <laughs> the best story, the best story best story about him is he I, I'm the assistant at Hartwick it's his first job my second year I didn't I really didn't know what the hell he was doing I was 23 years old and so he comes in and we're terrible two and 25 or two and 23 so the first game we win I didn't I knew we weren't going to win a lot he like got rid of some guys he's out of his mind he's he's an awesome guy but he is out of his mind a little bit so funny and so we uh we win our first game and at halftime, he write, uh, after the game, he writes this kid's name so big on the scoreboard, Bill Lanchant on the board. Then he writes as tiny as can, Bill Lanchant. So he's like, you know what the difference was, guys? In the first half, we had little Bill. In the second half, we had big Bill. And, like, the kid didn't – so the kid was like – didn't know. He was, like, petrified. He didn't take it as, like, a compliment. Like, he was, like, petrified. So for the rest of the year, we'd go in the locker room, and there would be 
Bill Lynn chanting written tiny in the corner every locker room we were in. And the guys would just write it all the time. So, like, it was like the running joke. So, he was uh, – Paul's great. He loves the ponies, though. He, he <laughs> all right. What's uh, – you told us – you told us you had a couple for this, but pick the best one. What's your worst travel experience? Oh, uh, the worst one, it, it turned out to be great. Hartwick, we didn't have the greatest money at times, so we make the conference tournament for the first time. I think we're the first program in our school history to make the Empire 8 tournament. So we play on Stevens on a Friday night. So we bust down the st- uh, bus down three and a half hours. We win. Ithaca gets beat, upset, so we're going to host a conference tournament on Sunday. We get back from uh, Hoboken, like the whole ride home we went. Like, you're like, oh, this is all exciting, but we have three hours in there. It hit a snowstorm. We got back like 3, 4 a.m. And we got to play on Sunday. Thank God they moved again to Sunday, but that was an awful trip. Great trip because we won. Never forget it, but an awful trip. And just any time going to Rochester, you're just getting stuck in snow. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, I have another great one. We were on a bus, and we were driving from – uh, Rochester to Ithaca and the bus was this old bus and the, uh, both mirrors fell off so our bus driver couldn't use the mirrors and then when the, we get to Ithaca and the bus breaks down and we have to wait for another bus for like three hours oh it was awful and we won and our women's team uh, was like good and they got upset by Ithaca and our coach was like crying on the way home it was just awful I had earphones I had my earphones in and it was connected to nothing so no one could talk to me so <laughs> What are you uh, currently binge watching if you have time? Oh, uh, I, I watch a, a good show. I actually see it on my thing here, Crashing on HBO. That's great. Great show. Um, then I watch uh, I watch a lot of TV. I, I, I tape Million Dollar Listing. I love that show, Los, Ange- Who, Los Angeles. Like, uh, oh, the, it has to be the what's the, I can't even think of his name right Josh now. Josh Altman, the, the little cute guy. Yeah, it has He's to such be. A strap, though, you know it. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys both watch this yeah, show? Million this dollar list. I, I think you're the first coach that's given us a Bravo uh, review, which is <laughs> good because, like, I watch Vanderpump Rules. Like, no shame. You know what I mean? Great show. But I, I would not have expected you to come on here with million dollar list. Oh, I have a, a, I have a lot. Like, I, 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 I got a lot of TV shows that I watch. I uh, Chicago PD is one of the good ones. Um, I, I'm into True Detective right now too on HBO, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little confused what's going on right now. But I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to figure it out soon. I think that's the that's the goal of the show. Like <laughs> for tons of like long conversations, like still screens, and then after an hour, you're like, "What the heck just happened?" Like it's it's bad. And, and my uh, Alicia, my fiance, loves live PD. So there's a lot of. There's a lot of live PD. I was getting updates from her today because they were in Cleveland, I guess. So I was getting uh, updates about uh, what was going on in Cleveland. So or stuff that, uh, yeah, yeah. Million Dollar List. I was telling my guys about it because they were asking what a house. Uh, I watch Million Dollar List in New York. I can tell you what these things go for. So yeah, yeah. What a New York's a good one too. I like I like LA a little more. It's got a little bit more. You got Malibu, and then you're kind of heading down. Can you make the drive type of thing? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and then they got the what the heck's the dude that's a drunk right now? Uh, the uh, yeah, Josh Flag. Oh, he's the greatest. He's he's so, no, that guy. <laughs> He just starts driving around drunk everywhere. Like the dude's an alcoholic. I love it. <laughs> what uh, What would you be doing if you weren't working in sports? I think development. I think I would be like a development guy. I could, you know, take people to dinner. I'm not, I'm never afraid to ask people for money, alumni. Yeah, yeah so I think I could do that pretty well. What, uh, who's the toughest player you've uh, ever had to coach against? 
Uh, as a head coach, I would say Joey Flannery from Babson. Uh, we played him in the NCAA tournament, and he, we had no chance against him. And the best player, I think, two of the best players for, probably ever coached against were one guy at WashU, Troy Roots, years ago. He was a player of the year two years in a row. They won a national title two years in a row. And he was just dominant big guy. And then uh, the guy that's still playing, Jason Boone, uh, from NYU, he, I remember I was assistant there and I like asked a guy I was working with at the time, like, Hey, like, is that Jason Boone? Like this monster walked out. He's like, can you imagine if it wasn't? I was like, yeah, good point. And, uh, and as a player, J- uh, Josh, uh, what the heck, uh, Gibbs, the guy that's still playing overseas, he played at Otterbein, Otterbein. We were playing in the NCAA tournament and I went in for a rebound and all of a sudden this arm came out of nowhere and just grabbed the rebound over me. And he was like six one. I was like, "Yeah, we're not winning tonight. Like, we have no chance." And uh, Jason Gibbs, he was the best player I ever played against. All right, I'm, I'm going to take it from here. If you could change one thing about college basketball, what would it be? Who uh, I would eliminate the charge. I hate the block charge. So yeah, I hate that rule. The toughest coach to prepare for. I uh, I would say for my my teams, any coach that runs two guard. So we're zero and seven against two guard this year. So any, anyone listening out there, running because we're not patient enough to guard for that long. So you know, I, I hate it. I've never I played like two guard kind of in college. I was like, ah, I'm never gonna play that with my teams. We're gonna play fast, and now like we can't guard it. So I'm literally thinking about putting stuff in next year. So even if it's part of our offense, just so we can work against it. Emory Rochester and Carnegie Mellon, they just uh, they're gonna listen to this and they're just gonna throw it in. They're gonna make it a part of their offense for the final. Rochester runs it already. Rochester and Brandeis. So we got to play against it tomorrow. So that's gonna be painful. Uh, Emory, he's never changing. They play so damn fast that he, they, they would never have the patience to run that. All right. What's your pregame routine? Do you have one or any superstitions? Not really. I, I, I These locker rooms have been killing me because no one has uh, internet. Like, we're down in these basements, so there's no internet. So, like, literally, I just sit there. I'm bored out of my mind. So, like, now I go out and, like, watch warm-ups. I, I, I don't know. I, I used to. Used to eat the same thing, but now it's just you know with all this you travel, it's hard to do that. Yeah, yeah it's pizza, a lot of pizza, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, a lot of pizza. So, do you have a hidden or secret talent? Oh my god, no. Uh, I don't think I, I. I don't really. No, I don't. I don't really have any talent. I don't have much talent. Not, and you can't sing or anything like that. Are you good? No, hell no. No one, no one wants to hear this this voice. No, I don't. I really don't do any. I used to be a decent golfer. I was, but then I haven't played golf for a while because I got frustrated with. But it. But apparently, you got a good racquetball game, so that's a good talent, and that's a, not a real sport, so that's good. Um, decent enough. Decent enough. Two podcast guests we need to have on. That would be. Uh, let's see. I would say. Um, one would be my college roommate, Nevada Smith. He's the G League coach for the Miami Heat. He would be real. He'd be real good to have on. Uh, and then, have you had Leffler on, Josh Leffler yet? We have. We had Leffler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he, he and you have had Al. Uh, how about my friend uh, Nate Hager from Regis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have a we have a group. We have a hashtag CWHC. I'm not telling you what it is, but we have a Final Four party. I'll tell you in person. I can't get what it really means out on the air here. So. We all wear pins every game has- with a little hashtag. And Eric Spolster wears one now every game because Nevada gave him one. So he wears one. Yeah, so it's growing. Or, we're growing. But no one – I don't tell anyone what it – we can't tell anyone what it means. 
uh, unless it's in person. So if I see you at the Final Four, we're having a party. I think we're getting uh, some tie clips this year. I think we're going big time with it. So <laughs> we're gonna, We'll weasel our way into that party. Leffler <laughs> will begrudgingly allow us in the door probably. Yeah, that's the thing. If you, He told me he might stay with me the other day. I said, that would be the only time I see you at the Final Four because you big time everyone. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, all right. Last segment. Same two questions to every guest. Parting shots. I got the first one. What is the uh, best advice you've ever been given? You know, I, I was never the most talented like person out there. So I just, I think, just told him work hard and be yourself. Like just work hard. And, I'm, and that's two things I try to do: work as hard as I can. I'm always myself. There's never, you know, there's never fakeness with me. So you're gonna pretty much get what you want. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you at times probably stuff I shouldn't or be a little bit you know, say what's on my mind. And, you know, that's, I I think that's one thing that I've been told. So you're face to face. I'm going to take it from what you just said. You're 27 year old self. You're starting at Hartwick. What are you telling that individual? (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't want to say on here. I would tell that guy. Uh, One thing is don't get so mad. So your hair doesn't gray as quick. Uh, That would be one. Um, Oh, wow. There's a lot of things I'd love to say, but I can't say. (laughs) Uh, But relax, essentially, like, you know, relax. Everything's going to kind of play out type of thing. Yeah, you know, I would have told that guy that, you know, probably drink less beers uh, because your belly. That's that's never the. Yeah, no, because no, because my belly is going to get bigger when I'm 30, when I'm my age now. So I told that guy to make sure you understand that that's the best you're ever going to look. So enjoy yourself. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I I always have fun. I I probably would say just uh, appreciate the people in your life a little more. You know, not not in a bad way, but you know, at Hartwick we had a lot of older people that were involved with the program that passed away, and so probably just you know make sure you tell those people that you appreciate everything they've done for you and help you, and you know just you know just make sure you stay close with friends. Like I think that would be the thing is stay in touch with people, don't lose touch with people because five years later and you try to reconnect, it might be a little too late. So stay in touch with people a little more maybe than I I do at times. There you go. That's that's good advice. The beer advice, I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure about that, but uh, also apparently uh, don't bet against Zion Williamson. As oh, how about that time? Looking at what's going on TV. So, what do you guys think? Is he going to be, like, he has to be an all-star in an NBA player, right, if he stays healthy? I think so. I mean, I also think it's like the marketing of him is so good that, like, you got to draft him. Like, if you, whoever gets the number one pick, it's like you get Zion, and he's, like, already going to be one of the most popular players in the NBA just because of, and like – probably globally, right? Oh, I, guess I think so. Yeah, you almost – like, if you're the Cavs and you get the number one pick, you have to just to – like, and we all know, like, the NBA is all about filling that arena and making the concourse filled, and he automatically sells – 10,000 season tickets himself, probably. Right, literally instantly. Like, there hasn't been a guy like this in, in so maybe since LeBron in terms of, like, what his kind of, like, impact can be just from a marketing standpoint. Like, just from an excitement standpoint. It's crazy. It's – I mean, he's been way better – he's way more skilled than I thought, Todd. Like, in, in high school, you know, he just looked like a dunker. And, like, I'd seen him, you know, he could dribble and he could rebound. But, like, he can pass. Like, he can move his feet. And I, I feel like he's just so much better than people in, envisioned. It's it's been wild to watch him play this year, and they're gonna knock off Virginia at Virginia. I can't. I don't know the last time Virginia lost at home. You know? And and the thing about it is, like everyone, like everyone's watching this because of him. You know, like they want to see if he's gonna dunk on someone. 
And, you know, I think, and you're right, he's way more skilled than anyone. I don't think anyone thought he was, was going to be that skilled. No, I, not at all. You might see him in the workout, you know, Clutch Sports brings him in. You might get to run him through some drills yourself, you know. Rock Nation was there at Pitt to see him, so I don't know. I'm hoping. I was hoping we got Trey Young last year. So I'm hoping uh, they, like, use our locker room. And so, our, you know, our guys get get to see these guys work out. And Miles Bridges, I'll tell you one thing. He is what – a, what a nice guy he was. Guy, he's 19 years old. Uh, he'll be a pro for 20, 15 years because he's just a good person. And he would just abuse Darius Baisley. Like, they play one-on-one. And he would dunk so hard on him. I felt so bad. But he was, like, going at him. Like, you know, they're playing one-on-one, and they're, like, going at each other. And, like, you would just watch it. Like, and the guys would, like, the clutch guys would be there. And they would just be like, what the hell is this? Like, he's got to be He's got to be 40 pounds heavier than Darius Baisley, too, at least at that time. Like, easily. Baisley's a thin kid, man. He's real thin. And he's going to be a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. He's ultra-talented. And, you know, he's working at New Balance here in Boston right now or something like that. So. Um, but yeah, like oh, he would. Just, I felt you felt bad for him. He'd just whip him. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to have you back on for more stories. I feel like we're gonna cut you short, but uh, he is like I said, Tom McGinnis, head coach at Case Western on Twitter. He has got a weird Twitter name at umac forty two o o m a c forty two. You can see the pizza, you know, that he's been tweeting times on Twitter yesterday. But uh, Todd, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, especially in the middle of a road trip. And best of luck against Brandeis tomorrow. All right, thank you so much. We really appreciate you guys.